Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week 11 in the books. We are recapping. We are late again. That's on me. I apologize. How are you doing? Are you ready to recap some games? Is that the tarmac you're on still, or is that your... You know... I'm just checking. I just just now got back. Um, it's been roughly like three and a half days on a plane. They didn't let us off. They didn't feed us. No, uh, Mike. Truthfully, the, yeah. The reason that we're uh, we're a little late on this here, we were, we were going to record this Sunday night as typical, and then, you know, I had a flight out of uh, Atlanta. It was scheduled to depart at about three o'clock. Got delayed a little bit for the flight crew to leave at about three thirty, and then they discovered a maintenance issue, and then they just like kept us sitting at the gate on the plane. Didn't let us off or anything like that until six thirty. We finally pushed off. Uh, so with spent about three and a half hours on a plane with a toddler without even moving and yeah. then got two more hours with the toddler trying to keep him uh, at bay. He did great for what it's worth. But the point being, I wasn't ready to go last night until almost like 11 o'clock Eastern time. And uh, so the people deserve better than what I could have done for you at that point. Right. So here we are. This is Monday evening. Uh, apologies for the delay, but life happens. I've been traveling a boatload, but I'm done. Mike, I'm here for the foreseeable future. I'm good. Let's go. Let's talk about some games. Airliners shouldn't be able to do that. Like leave you on the plane for three hours. If you're not going anywhere, they should be able to let you off the plane. It's it's crap. Well, and shout out to my man, Jeff Kramer over at from the rumble seed, who also works at Delta tech ops at the Atlanta yep. airport and was giving yep. me the play by play of what was going on. And let's just say it's not the finest day for Delta's maintenance people. <laughs> well, at least they identified the issue while you were on the ground. So that yes, truthfully, yes, because the yeah. issue that I've made been made aware that we were having would have been a really, really, really bad issue to find out while in the air. OK, oh, and just be thankful you're hearing about it from me now and not like on CNN this morning. Put it yeah, down. that's that's fair. I would have been uh, flying solo for the uh, recap. Exactly. No, no, exactly. no pun intended. But seriously, <laughs> I would be flying solo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh but, Mike, I, I was kind of bummed, right, because we weren't able to go last night on Sunday night as normal because I was excited to talk about a lot of this action this weekend. We had a lot of games in the ACC, uh, eight of them to be precise, and almost every single one of them was interesting in one way or another, and I was very excited to talk about it. I still am. So you want to get into these? Let's do it. Let's start with the Atlantic Division Championship game, de facto, mm. we'll call it. Uh, the fact, number, 12, right. number 12, Wake Forest, Steeman Deeks, 45. The number 16, NC State, Wolfpack, 42. This was a hell of a game, Mike. It was back and forth. Uh, I think at one point, Wake Forest had like a 10-point lead, but that was about as separated as it ever got. Um, I guess Wake had a 13-point lead in the first half. The final two minutes of the first half were bonkers, like absolutely back and forth. There were uh, 
let's see. NC State scored two touchdowns and Wake scored 10 points all in the final two minutes and five seconds of the first half. Yep. Um, it just very back and forth, very competitive, very fun game. Uh, just happened. NC State scores a touchdown with about 45 seconds left to pull it within three points. Goes for an onside kick. Ricky Person recovers it, but only went about nine and a half yards before recovering it. So that's an illegal touching. Wake then kneels it out and the game was over. Um, incredible game i thought good performance from nc state by and large to to be there uh devin leary in particular i mean what a hell of a game he played um but congratulations to wake forest i mean they need one more now between clemson and boston college over the next two weeks and if they win either of those they're going to charlotte mike they are wake's offense well let me backtrack nc state's defense gave Wake Forest offense absolute hell Mm -hmm. in this game. Wake couldn't do anything on the ground. 2.6 yards per rush, did have three touchdowns, but Justice Allison was Wake Forest's leading rusher. He had 56 yards and 17 carries. That's 3.3 yards per rush. He had two scores. Sam Hartman threw three interceptions. It was not his best game, but they kept going back to the well. He threw the ball 47 times here. This game did have three touchdown passes. Made a couple of big-time throws, but... Uh, was not his best game for certain. And Wake had a lot of trouble moving the ball on offense, still found a way to score 45 points. That's how impressive this offense is this year, Joey. Like, they really struggle sometimes. Like, with some of the defenses they play, they can still put up points. Wake, Wake score scored 45 is impressive. They scored 45 points and turned the ball over three times. Right, right. This could have been easily another 70-point performance against a really good defense. Like, NC mm-hmm. State's defense has been one of the better units in the ACC all year. And I thought they played a pretty good game here against Wake and still give up 45. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, this was, if you look at the drive charts and just the way that this game went, like it was really pretty weird. Like Wake's offense was either basically going three and out or scoring like on every yeah. offensive possession. Like if, if they got like a second first down on a drive, like they were going down and scoring on that drive. Right. I mean, just, Otherwise, they were just going three and out. And it's just kind of a weird dichotomy to watch. Um, Sam Hartman, sneaky, you know, Mike, the last couple of weeks, uh, not not that impressive from a number right. standpoint. Um, finishes this game 20 of 47 for 290, three touchdowns, three picks. Kobe. Yeah, that. Yeah. Keep that in mind. He's a strong. He's a strong candidate this week. Um, A.T. Perry, by the way, had like 23 targets in this game and only caught five passes. Uh, there was just all sorts of weirdness up and down Wake Forest's stat lines in this game. Um, you know, they, they they did get a cheap touchdown uh, right before the half. NC State had a fumble. Wake runs it back to about the five-yard line and gets a one-play five-yard touchdown drive. That kind of ends up making a difference there uh, in a three-point game. But, I mean, just... Very back and forth. I, I did want to point this out. We got an email uh, from our friend Christopher Anderson. He's a listener. Says, yep. hey, guys. And, and I think this is a good point within this game to bring up. He says, hey, guys, love the podcast. A couple weeks ago, you were skeptical that Phil Longo would run the ball enough against Wake. And surprisingly, he did. Uh, Phil Longo, of course, North Carolina's offensive coordinator. Last night, however, I think NC State really didn't run the ball enough, and their offensive coordinator did not put them in position to win against one of the worst rushing defenses in the country. If NC State doesn't make it to Charlotte, that will be why. What are your thoughts? 
And on some level, I, I agree. On another level, NC State has had a hell of a time running the ball in a number of spots this year. We've lately. Yeah, lately, like within the last month even. But it was going okay last night or, you know, Saturday night. Like, Ricky Person and Don- Zonovan Knight only got 12 carries. They went for 66 yards, Mike. Like, yeah, it was working. They just didn't do it. So I think there's something to that from, from Chris Anderson there. Like, honestly – run the ball more, maybe shorten the game, keep Wake's offense off the field a little more. Like, I think there's something to that. You don't need to throw the ball 59 times with Devin Leary. like Right now, and I think it plays into this next stat. NC State was three for 14 on third down. And if mm-hmm. you look at how this game played out, NC State was in third and long a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot, Joey. And either not being able to run the ball, or in this case, in this particular game, just deciding not to run the ball plays into that, right? Uh, you know, we've seen various ACC teams this year struggle to run the football in recent weeks. Even NC State, in particular, struggled to run the ball in recent weeks, but they were actually running the ball at a pretty good clip on Saturday night. And still, you know, you get into a position where, okay, you're more confident in putting the ball in Devin Leary's hands. Fine. At some point, like, you are going to have to establish a run a little bit, and you have a couple of really good running backs to choose from, right? Like, not every ACC team has Bam Knight and Ricky Person in the backfield. So to just kind of neglect to run the ball is an issue. I think it is a reason why NC State lost this game. Will I say it's the reason? Probably not. I mean, three for 14 on third down is bad. Committing 14 penalties for 119 yards is worse. Turning the ball over three times, not great. So look, Wake won this game by a field goal. I think it could have been by more. We know that NC State scored that touchdown late, kind of in garbage time, down a couple scores. Uh, but you know, I, I think NC State, if they had played a cleaner game, they would have put mm-hmm. themselves in better position. And defensively, I thought they were largely good. You know, I, I thought they, you know, gave Wake a really hard time running the football. You know, Wake really couldn't establish a run at all in this game. Sam Hartman secretly kind of crappy. He did make a couple of big time throws, a couple of big touchdown passes with some very accurate throws, but he was off the mark most of the night. He was getting rushed. I, I thought NC State's pass rush did a very good job. Uh, but, you know, Hartman was in a position where he was kind of running for his life a bit, and he wasn't completing passes at as high of a clip as we would usually expect. Right. And Wake couldn't run the ball. So I, I think NC State's defense certainly did put them in position to win, but at the same yep. time, you still gave up 45 points. So it's kind of this weird dichotomy like within the game where you feel pretty good about where you're at. You give up 406 yards of offense to Wake Forest, which, you know, sounds bad on paper, but you take a step back and think about what Wake's offense has done this year. It's really not all that bad to only give up 400 yards to Wake Forest. So it, it's weird because I, I came away from it, you know, watching it saying, you know what, NC State's defense really hung in there. Like they played a pretty decent game, mm-hmm. but there were so many different shortcomings on offense and still so many mistakes that were made in this game that I do feel like Wake Forest was the better team, you know, for four quarters. Like yeah. I felt that way during the game. Uh, I feel that way coming out of it. And at the same time, I've said on this podcast multiple times that I think that NC State is the most complete team in the ACC this year, offense, defense, special teams. And I I still believe that they're built that way, but sometimes they just get in their own way, Joey. And they got beat by a better team, in my opinion. Like, I think Wake just played better and they've been playing better, but NC State got in their own way too. I'm I'm starting to think that I made a you know I might have been mischaracterizing it saying that NC State was the most complete team in the ACC. 
I think Mike, maybe the the, the correct word would be they're they're the most balanced team in the ACC. Yeah, that might be that might be a better way to phrase it. They're balanced. They can they can do it all, but I don't know that they're consistent enough to call them a complete team. Right. Um, the, the no, cons- I agree. That's probably honestly, and that's probably the biggest difference. Really, is just consistency. Like they can do any of it in pockets and at times, but. Uh, the consistency is not there for them to really truly be a fully complete team. Um, and the number that I, I think the number that we kind of glazed over a little bit, but I, I want to he- emphasize a little bit more here. NC state had 14 penalties for 119 yards in this game. Yeah, it's bad. You had an extra nine penalties for almost 70 yards. Like that is a big deal to yeah. go with the three times you turn the ball over. Like, like you're, I, I completely agree with what you said that like, if they play a cleaner game here, they probably win. Yeah, they probably win. And, you know, too, like you look at the the teams across the ACC and especially this year with Clemson being down, like each ACC contender has its flaws, mm-hmm. right? Like we can look at Pittsburgh and say, well, they don't run the ball that well, right? Or, you know, we can look at, you know, NC State team and like, what's their flaw? Like their flaw is consistency. They can do it all. We look at Wake Forest, their flaws defense. UVA, their flaws defense. Mm-hmm. NC State, it's like, nah, they have a pretty good defense up. They got a good quarterback up. They got they got good running backs, good receivers, good special teams. All right, what's NC State's issue? Oh, they don't do it for all four quarters. Every week, week in, week Every out. week, week in, week out for four quarters. And I think the talent's there. The talent was there to win the Atlantic this year. The talent was there to potentially win the ACC this year for NC State. Um. And to be honest with you, Joey, that's with that's with like a, a good Clemson team. I think NC State could have been right there, which is credit that I didn't give them in the preseason. I thought yeah. they'd be decent, but this is a better NC State team than I thought. But they still have the flaws that we see out of traditional NC State teams under Dave Doran, where they can't get a, quite get over the hump. Well, I was just about to say, you know, talking about having having the talent but not being able to consistently put it together. Is this the place where I uh, invoke the name of the one and only Dave Doran and? ask questions about that, Mike. I, who, who's to say? Who knows? Um, I did want to call out, number one, uh, Ricky Person did not get a, uh, or sorry, Bam Knight did not get a ton of opportunity in the run game, four carries for 30 yards. He also didn't get a ton of opportunity in the kickoff return game, but he made the most of that. He ran a kickoff back for a touchdown in this game to open the second half, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that was a, a pretty electric move by him. Also wanted to bring up... Uh, Emeka Mezzi, Devin Carter combined for 17 catches, 265 yards, and four scores. Is that good? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Thayer Thomas also five catches for 65 yards in this game. Um, that is a hell of a receiving core, and they are a pain to to cover uh, where possible. Um, also need to bring up, Ja'Cory Roberson played a little bit in the first half of this game, but seemed to have li- left with an injury. Uh, to my knowledge, if I'm re- remembering correctly, and again, it was late Saturday night, I don't believe he returned. Um, if he doesn't come back for Wake Forest, that's a huge loss. Like, A.T. Perry is really good. Part of what makes A.T. Perry good is that Ja'Cory Roberson's on the other side. Like, yep. if you can really dial in on him, it becomes a different ball game. And and again, you saw that with Sam Hartman spending most of the game not having Ja'Cory Roberson to throw to, and A.T. Perry got 23 targets. Like, <laughs> that's what you need to know. I think most yep. of his incompletions were to A.T. Perry, actually. Yeah. So that's, you know, something to keep a in mind. A quarter of them. <laughs> Literally a quarter of them. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's all I got in this game, Mike. Anything else? 
now I think we're good to move on. Wake Forest 45, NC State 42. Wake in the driver's seat in the Atlantic. They're, uh, we'll see if they can get there. They just need one more. We'll see. Uh, Mike, let's go back to Thursday night. The number 21, Pitt Panthers 30. The North Carolina Tar Heels 23 in overtime. Mike, speaking of go to bon- hell. bonkers Go to games, hell, Carolina. Go to hell, Carolina. <laughs> Continue. This game was also bonkers. Uh, it went to overtime. Pitt was just like wiping the floor with Carolina in the first half of this game. Um, if I'm not mistaken, let me look. Uh, it was 17 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Carolina scores midway through the second quarter to make it 17 to seven, and then Pitt immediately responds with a tw- uh, touchdown of their own to make it 23 to seven at halftime. Then Pitt doesn't score the entire second half. Uh, Carolina scores, finally kicks a field goal with about a minute left to send it to overtime. Uh, Pitt scores a touchdown in overtime, and then it, it was kind of raining. It started raining in the second half of this game. And then it really just absolutely opened up as Carolina took the field in overtime and Sam Howell trying to throw the ball in a full-on just monsoon. Uh, that just It didn't go great, and uh, Pitt wins the game in overtime. I had Carolina plus six and a half, so... And this yep. was, you know, and and we were talking about this Thursday night. So, we're, I mean, not only on the show, but I think you had that uh, in some real-life Van Gorder coin investment. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so I had kids' a, college fund will have to wait. That's right, yeah. I, I had a, a real-life Angora coin investment in the under 72. And you better believe that when this <laughs> game went to overtime with a total of 46 points being scored, I was, you know, girding the loins trying to rage through my parents' house like, don't you dare score 30 points in overtime to go over the total. And thankfully they did yeah. not. But also, Mike, not only did this go under that total and I won that wager – this put the win total wager over. Pittsburgh officially goes over seven and a half wins on the season. Hit the cash register sound, you boy. Going right to the register. Cha-ching! For you, Joey. Thank you, Mike. Good for you. Pitt might win the ACC. Pitt might win the ACC. Did you have that on your bingo card? I that that I did not get that far. No. No, that's no. That's because on paper before the season you would have been nuts to have done that. I Although, bet I could have gotten uh, at least like twelve to one before the season. I would agree. Yeah. I think that would have been a safe assumption. Uh, I was actually tweeting back and forth with uh, Chase Howell of the Action Network, who hey, formerly, yeah, hello, Chase, uh, formerly of Sports Illustrated with me, you know, and he, he wrote for the Colorado site, I believe. I wrote for the Virginia Tech site. And uh, I tweeted something out about having Carolina plus six and a half. I said, this is going to be either really good after the start Carolina got off to, or it's going to end in pain. And you know what Chase tweeted at me? He said, well, if you look at it from a probability standpoint, because he is a betting analyst at the Action Network, so he tweets back at me and he says, if you're looking at it from a probability standpoint, I have some good news. It's really hard to lose a six-and-a-half-point bet in overtime with the new overtime rules, which makes sense because on paper, starting at the third overtime, you got to start going for two now. Yeah, maximum, maximum just, uh, like margin of loss would be four points, right? Right. Right, so just get to the third overtime, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Pitt wins by seven. Chase tweets back at me about 15 minutes later. He goes, wow, that's rough. Sorry, dude. <laughs> yep, that is rough. You know what else is rough? Carolina probably regrets chasing points there. Uh, the first possession of the second half. Yeah. 11 plays, 52 yards in five and a half minutes. 
Carolina had it fourth and one at the pit 23 and Sam Howell got stuffed on a quarterback sneak. Didn't work out. And he kicked a field goal there. And all of a sudden that changes the game script late in the game, because now all of a sudden you're sitting there and instead of kicking a field goal to tie the game, Joey with uh, 57 seconds left, you would be kicking a field goal to go ahead 26 to 23. So, well, Mac Brown probably wants that decision back. Mac Brown also wanted the decision back to kick the field goal at the end to tie the game instead of just going for it, which I thought, and I, I know you were paying attention to this at the time, when Ty Chandler made that catch, which could have been incomplete but then wasn't, Yeah, I thought that with Carolina sitting there, and I tweeted this out, Carolina seeing fourth and goal from the Pittsburgh three, I tweeted out, I'm not so sure that Carolina doesn't go for this here if this pass is ruled complete. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. They ultimately kick a field goal. But Mac Brown said after the game, if I had known that I was dealing with a monsoon in overtime, because as soon as Carolina touched the ball after Pitt scored to make it 30-23 to in overtime, it literally opened up at Heinz Field. It was nuts. Torrential downpour. like, Like just a searing rain. Unbelievable. And Mac Brown said, if I had known that was coming, I probably would have gone for it at the end of the fourth quarter. That was that was rain, Mike, that Sam Howell could have thrown a dry ball and it would have been just soaked by the time it got to the receiver. Like, it yeah. was, yeah, hell, we hell of a, a rainstorm. We played, we played a game in high school, and I remember uh, the team we were playing against junior year of high school uh, back in, I guess, 2000. It would have been the fall of 2009. Dating yourself here, uh, Mike. I am. I'm old. And we were looking out to the, like, we, we, it, we were playing defense. It was a goal to go situation. And I look out and I'm playing corner. I look out past the line of scrimmage, like out back towards the school. And I see a wall of rain coming right at me. And I said, Oh my God, it's going to pour here. Mm-hmm. Like in less than 30 seconds. So in they the don't even the snap play. the ball <laughs> middle of the play. They don't even snap the ball, and it's literally a torrential downpour to the point where the game got canceled. Like, we didn't take the field again after that to give you an idea of, like, what kind of monsoon that was. And so that that's where my mind immediately went when I saw the rainstorm that Carolina was dealing with when they were on offense in overtime. Like, this is an ungodly amount of rain that they're dealing with here. Mm-hmm. And I thought Mac Brown's reaction afterwards kind of told the entire story. It's like, well, shit, if I knew that was what was happening, <laughs> we would have just gone for it and I mean, because they couldn't throw the ball. I mean, they had that one play. I think it was on third down there in overtime when they got the ball. Sam Howell was looking at Antoine Green on the crossing route, and he threw it about five yards behind him. I mean, it wasn't even close. It was like a duck. I mean, he, it was an absolute duck and nowhere near him. And, I mean, it, it was hard for them to run any sort of offensive plays there. And they were having some success in the second half, obviously throwing the football, get themselves back in. Sam Howell was much better in the second half than he was in the first half. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they couldn't run those plays in overtime, A, because of the rainstorm they were in, and, and B, I mean, you just couldn't execute. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no way to consistently do that. And I don't know, just a tough situation for Carolina. But this is like, a, as far as ACC teams go this year, certainly the most disappointing. I, I would say, definitely like the most up and down team um you know this team could just as easily be like nine and one or like one and nine and they sit here at five and five 
because we get quarters of a Carolina team that I think we thought we were going to get coming into the year where you thought they would win the division. I thought mm-hmm. they would win nine games. And, you know, if not win the division, be I think I picked them second in the ACC. Mm-hmm. And this is a team that's now three and four in ACC play. And, I mean, I think we just have to rule this season a colossal disappointment for Carolina. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, just from a trajectory standpoint, like, all right, so after this year, Sam Howell's probably going pro. He's probably going to get, like, a first-round quarterback grade. Right. So now what? What do you do now? Right. What do you do now? You like, have Drake May coming in, I guess. I, okay. I, I mean, and and sure, like, it always could be better than Sam Howell, but, like, odds are he won't be. But, like, I just – this is this is what you've gotten with a guy who's going to be a, a first-round level quarterback and all this. Like, this is what your program has built to after three years is you're five and five, like, in – you're probably three to four wins behind your projected win total. Like that's, it's not a great sign and and you'll beat Wofford next week and and make a bowl game. But like you had like potential new Year's six games aspirations here. And you're, you're lucky to be playing in the mighty car care bowl or the little Caesars pizza bowl or whatever the hell they play in Detroit now. Like just what a disappointment for the Tar Heels. Um, the other thing I was going to bring up here, Mike, with this game in particular real quick is um, I just I couldn't help but notice that. I mean, and it's it's a Thursday night game, but like this just had like ACC game written all over it. I yeah, mean, it both, did. Oh, it did. Both teams had drives go for double digit plays and in turnovers on downs. Uh, Pitt missed two field goals and an extra point in this game. Uh, it ended in overtime with a like a. The most duck-looking pass I've ever seen in a rainstorm that got intercepted. Like, just, this game was a mess, and it was awesome, and I loved it, but it was a mess. Kenny Pickett threw one of the, and, and he, Kenny Pickett played fine, but he threw one of the worst interceptions I've seen in the ACC all year. It was like, oh my God, Kenny, why are you throwing that ball? Yeah, what is happening? To the point where Tom Fornelli was like, Pitt is pitting, which yeah. was hysterical. They pitting. They're, they're um, pitting. Pitt sacked Sam Howell five times. And aside from that, North Carolina still tried to run the ball 33 times against a Pitt defense and non-sack adjusted numbers. But overall, North Carolina goes 38 carries for 88 yards, an average of 2.3 yards per carry. What are we doing? Yeah. Stop trying to run the ball against Pittsburgh. Stop running against Pittsburgh. See, when Virginia Virginia Tech ran against Pittsburgh, we understood that was their only choice. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was like, why are you running against Pittsburgh? Yeah, but we know they can't throw because you don't want to see the other thing. Right. Uh, we want to see the other thing with Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like we want to see the we want to see the passing offense. Uh, but the one overarching thing I will say about Carolina and kind of where they're at as a program right now, they're recruiting really well, Joey. Right. We can we can agree. Sure. Like, are. Really good recruiting class. All that's really good. They have a player development problem. They sure do. They have a player development problem on both sides of the football. Mm-hmm. And Sam Howell's the only the only thing holding it together. He's going to be gone here in about, I don't know, two weeks. He's not going to play in the ballgame. So you're saying that whole 2018 Louisville post-Lamar Jackson thing is uh, oh god, potentially a little bit in play for next year. Potentially, but I think they've recruited a little bit too well for that to happen. Probably. The bottom yeah. out quite like that. I mean, I'd, I'd be shocked if it bottomed out that bad, but. This could be a pretty average program next year, too. And and I've never met either of them, but from what I can tell, Mac Brown slightly more likable than Bobby Petrino. So <laughs> slightly. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. I, I would say so. 
Pittsburgh 30, North Carolina 23. We got to keep moving here, Mike. Uh, Pittsburgh going to be playing, by the way, they're going to play Virginia next week, and that is the de facto ACC Coastal Division Championship game, just as we all yes. predicted. Big game. Yeah, just as we all predicted. Just as we all That's played. right. Uh, moving on, Mike, for other uh, interesting and crazy games, Florida State 31, Miami 28. Florida sure. State breaks the streak. Yeah, sure is the right answer here. Uh, Florida Why not? State goes up 17 to nothing and leads 20 to 7 at halftime. Miami comes storming back and takes a 28 to 20 lead. Florida State kicks a field goal, makes it a five point game with about four and a half minutes left. And then the, the final drive, they get the ball with about two minutes left, way backed up on their own end of the field. There were two absurd plays in this. First being the first play of the drive, which ended up being like a 60-yard pass to get down into the red zone. The second being a fourth and, what was it, fourth and 20-something conversion? They yeah. They converted uh, they, fourth and 14. It was fourth and 14. Yeah, it was fourth and 14. Um, with 58 seconds left on a crossing route where they had a receiver just running wide open over the middle of the field. So that was good. They good get defense down, there. Yeah, they get down to the one-yard line. They run a couple plays, punch it into the end zone for the uh, go-ahead touchdown, get a two-point conversion, yep. ultimately win by three. Uh, goodness gracious, this game was nuts. It was also fun. Uh, this this felt like more proper uh, Florida State-Miami. Not, not really like, you know, from a quality standpoint, we'll say, but like from a competitiveness standpoint and from just like a hatred and vitriol standpoint, this felt, oh, yeah. this felt right, Mike. It was the most entertaining game in the 3.30 window on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nobody was watching it either. <laughs> so, I mean, Kirk Herbstreit was on the bus. I saw he posted something on Instagram. He was doing like a college game day, like Q&A type thing before uh, calling the Ole Miss game on Saturday night against A&M. Uh, but he was watching the games on the bus with Fowler and the Bear and all them. They, yep. they had Miami, Florida State front and center. And the thing that he mentioned, and the reason why I bring it up, is because he said, I know not a lot of people care about this game today, but he said, it's still important to us. Like, because, you know, Herb Street remembers, you know, Herb Street's in his 50s. Like, he grew up with the Miami, Florida State games that were insane, you know, the 90s yep. and, the, and the 2000s, where this game was the premier game in college football that you circled. You know, before the season started, you're like, when does Miami play Florida State? Oh, yeah. And it certainly has lost its luster because both teams absolutely and objectively suck. But this is a game on Saturday that was one of the more entertaining games of the entire day. Tyler Van Dyke, Joey, basically did what he did against UVA, where he was really, really awful in the first half, like had a lot of trouble completing passes. And then the second half was outstanding. Like really, really good to get Miami back in the game. They they made adjustments at halftime, and Van Dyke looked competent. And we saw more of the Miami offense in the second half. I think we were expecting all throughout the game when we previewed it, where they were going to be able to hit on some explosive plays. Yeah, and they were able to do that in the second half. It's a big reason why they were able to take the lead. But the defense failed them late, you know. Mm-hmm. And Miami's defense this year has been fine, but. Man, that that's a bummer. I mean, you they give up the fourth and fourteen there. Tackle. They they do. They cannot tackle. There there are a lot of teams that are struggling with tackling in the ACC right now. Miami is right up there. I mean, they cannot cannot tackle, and it really came back to bite them in the ass. I mean, fourth and fourteen late. Give that up. That is an absolute gut punch. Florida State has a first and goal from the one, but no time left. There's nothing you can do, and you know to lose a game like that is just it's awful. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, I I saw earlier in the game that Florida State took the seventeen to nothing lead and thinking, yeah, wow, like how how ridiculous was it that we all thought that Miami minus two or minus two and a half was like lock of the year material here, like right. Somebody right. clearly knew something that we didn't, and then Miami comes storming back and takes a five point lead, and it's like, oh well, there you go. There, there's a cover play. Right team's gonna win, and then they didn't, and. Yeah, I mean, just just a wild back and forth. Um, really good game. Miami turns it. the ball over three on the three consecutive possessions in the first half. Yeah, uh, two picks and a fumble. Uh, that that was kind of what helped Florida State ex- extend their lead. I guess they only scored uh, one touchdown on those three interceptions, but or those three uh, those three turnovers. Sorry, but right. Still, I mean, that's that's a waste of time and a waste of possessions uh, on Miami's part. Right. Um, Florida State, you know, did their own turning the ball over. They they turned it over once there early in the second half. Uh, Miami finishes this game with 14 penalties for 105 yards. Yeah, that ain't it. They were on pace for over 400 penalty yards because they they had like two or three personal foul penalties on their first possession of the game. On yeah, on Florida State's first possession. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. First possession on defense. Yep. Yeah. Just looking at this drive chart, starting with the fourth play, Miami penalty offside. Then Miami penalty personal foul. Then two plays later, defensive offside. Then Miami penalty personal foul. And then Miami offside. Like, in all of this, by the way, like, the first offside moved Florida State from the 44-yard line to the 49-yard line. Yeah. They basically got them down to the goal line on penalties alone. Like, on that right. first yeah. drive. Yeah, Miami's uh, defense did a better job moving the ball than Florida State's offense did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the yes is pretty brutal. I mean, I, a tough, a tough watch in some regards there in the first half, no doubt about it. But Florida State also, like a thought I had is like similar to when we were talking about Virginia Tech and Boston College like last Friday night. Mm-hmm. A similar thought I had is like Florida State wasn't good enough to pull away, right? Like we knew that, right? So Miami's committing all these penalties to turn the ball over in the first half it never felt like they were out of it, you know, um, mm-hmm. when they're down, when they're down 14, nothing. I'm like, it's early, you know, you're down 27 at halftime. Okay. It's early, you know, get a score early in second half, which is what they did. It's like, all right, well, you know, Miami's right here in this game and then they take the lead. I'm like, all right, like better team starting to flex its muscles a little bit. Yeah. But man, I just, a real tough ending for the hurricanes. Pretty brutal. Um, credit to Florida state. Like, absolutely hell of a win absolutely for for that program just where they've been what they've what they've been through uh credit to mike norvell got those guys ready to play and and, and yep. all this stuff i mean i huge huge credit to them all the credit in the world they they deserve to win that game i think with the way that it all played out there um, are signs joey there are signs and and this is also the point right i i'm not trying to uh totally break seminole fan spirits but <laughs> Damn, it would have been nice if you like made a tackle on that last play against Jacksonville State. And yeah, it's going to cost been, you a bowl game. Uh, might have been five actually. and five, needing only one of the next two. But instead, they need yeah. both of the next two. But Mike, the next two are at Boston College and at Florida. Which, with the way dumpster that, fire, with the way that those team seasons are going, you're not going to be favored in either of those games. But neither of them is not winnable. Like. It's it's still on the table for Florida State to make a bowl game this year, which to me is an unqualified success. 
Yeah, definitely an unqualified success. I mean, that Jacksonville State game, you win that. I think they make a bowl game because I think they'll split the next two. Uh, yeah, and and honestly, um, I'm not sure which one they'll win. I don't. I could be either of them. We're gonna have to talk about my alma mater a little later, but it'll be kind of the same conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the at BC at Florida is not the easiest stretch to close the year, but it's not the most difficult either. And I think Norvell will have them motivated to try to make a bowl game. I mean, if Florida State gets to a bowl game in year two, you're unqualified success. Yep, absolutely. Like, so, absolute success. All the credit in the world to Florida State. Um, I I don't want to get too ahead of myself, Mike. I think they might have something. It's I think not, they might have something, too. It's not there yet, but I, I, think, I think what they're doing might be working. I think we're two years away. That's probably right. Yeah, I think uh, feel legitimately good in like 2023. Yeah, because no matter what happens closing this year, you go into next year, the expectation is to win seven. Six to seven is probably right next year. Yeah. Right. So improve, you know, beat Jacksonville State next year. <laughs> if, if they're on the schedule, go ahead and beat them. That would be good. That'd be helpful. Uh, what a place to be for Florida State in 2021. Yeah, no, nah, but seriously, though, I think they're they're probably two years away. But I think Norvell's got a little something. Mike, what does Manny Diaz have? A hot seat? Well, he does now that Blake James has been fired. Yeah. Uh, see, this is. Well, and not that he didn't before. I mean, he did before, but now it kind of changes the math a little bit. Now that his athletic director that brought him in is gone. This is always the benefit that we get uh, when we do record these things late, is it just inevitably happens that there's like big news that happens on Monday that we wouldn't have yeah. gotten. Right. Uh, yeah. So not only did Manny Diaz. Um, you know, he followed up the two best wins of the year against NC State and Pitt by totally screwing around and, and beating Georgia Tech by a really close margin in a game that they should have blown him out by. But now you lost to Florida State, and now your boss and hiring manager got fired. Right. Uh, <laughs> just when we thought Manny Diaz might be just absolutely safe going into next year, they're five and five. They need to beat either Virginia Tech and or Duke to make a bowl game. I think they'll do it minimum one, if not both. Right. But, but man, there is no quicker way to lose all the goodwill in your fan base. And by the way, I saw Cam Underwood put up an article about this at State of You on Sunday. Was like, uh, you want to talk about just absolutely just throwing gasoline to reignite a fire? Like, go lose to your rival like this. Not not a good look. Not a good look. Not a good look, but I, I said this to you before we hit record. Like, do you come out of Saturday's game thinking any less of Manny Diaz? I mean, my opinion of him has never been super high to begin with. So Right, but like do you come out of it and you're like, Man, like Manny Diaz has to go now. Like it wasn't that type of performance for me. Maybe it's just because I I don't I, I don't know. I, it's a rivalry game, so I get the tensions are high anyway. But I didn't come out of this saying, like, oh, Miami lost that game. He absolutely needs to be fired. Absolutely needs to be fired. Now. I, I and maybe it's just because I'm clouded by the Van Dyke thing. Like, I think Tyler Van Dyke, like, I think they got something there. I think you just figure it out and take your lumps and keep it moving. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that this is the game that goes from, like, yeah, you can come back from next year to, nope, we're moving on. Uh, right. And frankly, I mean, with the timing of the AD being fired, like, I don't know how quickly you can replace an AD 
But if you have someone hired tomorrow, which is, you know, call it today, is this, this episode will go live on Tuesday morning. If they hired an AD today, like in your first three to four weeks on the job to go in and fire the head football coach would be a ridiculously like ballsy, like make your presence known kind of move, right? Like that would be a very SEC thing to do. It would. It would. And yeah, I just don't get the impression that like where Miami, the University of Miami is at this point in time, I just don't think they're going to do that. Like the school in general and the funding and like all of it. I just don't think that they're going to they're going to line up and try to fire him immediately. I think he gets 2022, but I think it's some pretty high expectations going in and we'll see how that goes. I mean, who are they going to get that's better right now? It's a good question. They're uh, not getting Mario. I, I don't buy the Cristobal stuff. No, 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 no. Mario Cristobal is not going to Miami. He won't do it. No, there's no good reason for that. Other than like it's home or whatever. His um, alma mater, but like who cares? I'll say this too, and there was a news report that came out, I believe it was this morning. Um, apparently, there is a significant group of former Miami players that oh, is I saw this. Yeah. putting together a little uh, powwow. And it's a private powwow, but they're going to take a video and release it in like three weeks. Yeah, that sounds private. Sure. Uh, but they're going to talk about the... So from Andy Slater, Slater Scoop... Former University of Miami players will be holding a roundtable on Thursday to talk about the current state of the Hurricanes football program. The three-and-a-half-hour event is private, but a video of the discussion is scheduled to be released next week, I'm told. Interesting. That'll be funny to watch. Yeah. Like, what are they trying to accomplish with that? This has got to be the single program in the ACC, if not in the country, where, like, former players are arguably, like, way too involved. Why is Ed yeah. Reed walking up and down your sideline? Like, he's the minister of fun or whatever. Him and uh, Matthew McConaughey, with Texas. Yeah, well, like, that's going great miss- in Austin too. You can tell. Oh yeah, good, good <laughs> job against Kansas this weekend, Texas. What the hell was that? Goodness, rock, rock, shock, Ku, baby. There you go. Uh, Mike, that's all I got. We got to move on here. Uh, let's do Section 103 live read. Let's do that. Florida State 31, Miami 23. Mike, Section 103, as you mentioned, super comfy. Um, uh, we you know, we were traveling to Atlanta this week, and we were trying to decide whether or not we wanted to go to the game on Saturday. We uh, made the right choice, by the way. I, I think we made the right choice. Um, it was a little chilly, and I just, I'm just tired, and I just I knew where this was all going to end up. I, just, I don't know if I wanted to go to the game, but... SEC power, SEC power, ACC power, Boston College, of course. That's right. Coming to town, um, that was, you know, I had me quaking in my boots, Mike. Yeah. Uh, but the, the thing was, you know, it's like, you know, just in case I wanted to go to the game, I, I got to bring something. I got to pack something. And you better believe, buddy, I packed the Section 103. I packed the old gold, the old uh, proper tech gold uh, tech hoodie. Uh, I packed the ATL performance shirt. In also in tech gold, I I looked good. I went to brunch with some friends and I was wearing it all. I was stylish. Uh, they asked me where'd you get that. I said go to section103.com. Use promo code GoACC for ten percent off your first order. And they said really? I said, yeah, it's like I practice saying this. <laughs> you could be damn sure, and they pay me to say it. That's right. That's right. And Mike, you too can go to section103 and get ten percent off your first order using promo code GoACC. Uh, again, it's it's 
all sorts of great Georgia Tech apparel. It's high quality. It's incredibly comfortable. It looks great. They've got official word marks. They've got shirts and, and T-shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies and stuff for men, women, children. All of it in official Tech gold. They've got that ATL logo. Mike, they just released a couple of new shirts, actually, in the last couple of days. Uh, there was a, a really cool volleyball shirt that came out. Uh, it says Point Tech on there, which if you've ever been to a Georgia Tech volleyball game, that's a, a, a pretty common chant. Uh, they've also released some of the uh, official Tech Gold shirts in proper cotton instead of just the uh, performance wear. They've released new shirts and sweatshirts with the uh, a little like flag that kind of mocks the one that flies off the, uh, the front of the Ramblin' Wreck. It says the uh, THWG on there in case you're going to a game here in about a week and a half and need something to, to hell with Georgia, baby. Got to let them know. Got to let them know to hell with Georgia. Um, so you all that stuff, go get it at section one dot com. It is the best place on the internet to go buy Georgia tech apparel. Cannot recommend it enough. You're looking for some stocking stuffers stuff for basketball season. All of it. It's all there. Go find it. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order at section103.com. Thank you to Stephen and the gang at section103.com for uh, sponsoring us. It's been a great partnership. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been awesome. Absolutely. Mike, Boston College 41, Georgia Tech 30. Uh, I told you. I told you. Phil Dracovic, fully healthy. Not quite. Had a career passing day. Relatively? Yeah, kind of. He threw thirteen. He went thirteen of twenty for three hundred and ten yards and two scores. Sounds about right. My man completed thirteen passes for three hundred and ten yards. Mike, Georgia's yeah. secondary does a lot of things. Covering is not one of them. They don't cover anybody. Yeah. Uh, it's getting late early. Yeah. For Jeff Collins, it's getting late early. This is exhausting. It is getting late early, and you know what, Joey? I'm going to take a step back because I think I'm a pretty reasonable person. Mm-hmm. So allow me to bring some reasonable discussion to the table yeah. as a third-party observer, okay? Yeah. Because I know you're passionate about this. This is your school. I right. get it. I get passionate about my school. We do that on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Let me Let me bring some logical reasoning to the table. Bring it. We're done here. Kind of seems that way. Yeah. 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 We're done here. That doesn't mean he's getting fired this this year. He's not. He's not. I'll, he's not getting. He's not getting fired. Right. We, he's not getting fired. But uh, we're done here. This is like, this is like, starting to give me late twenty twenty Virginia Tech vibes. You know, except Georgia Tech's in year three, right? Where's the progress? Now I'm gonna get heated. Where's the progress? Where is it? Because I'm, I don't see it. The defense has regressed. Well, if you uh, listen to Jeff Collins' press conferences, if you don't see progress, Mike, you you just don't want to see it. You're just not. Yeah, I just don't. It. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just not looking for it. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You're part of the problem, Mike. That's that's the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Look, the defense has regressed. Mm-hmm. Right. Offensively, they have no idea who their quarterback is, and when Jeff Sims is healthy, he's been bad. He's been he's been okay. He's been mediocre. He, he hasn't been taking the big steps forward that we would expect him to take from year one to year two. Didn't take right. him. Didn't take him. We saw it in glimpses. Didn't take it over a large sample size, right? Yep. Jordan Yates, he's fine. He's limited. Whatever. We knew that they weren't going to have a a big passing day on Saturday. We knew that going in, right? And yet the interception that he threw was one of the most mind numbing, just bad. What it was bad. Are you doing like moments? It was quite I've bad in a while. 
it was quite bad. Uh, I mean, what's the plan here? Like, what's like Jeff Collins has been preaching, you know, patience and, you know, we're taking the necessary steps and we're like, what's the plan? That that's that's the question I have for Jeff Collins. Year one, right? I get it. Like you're you're going from an option offense to trying to install your scheme, but like in year one, we had no idea what the scheme was, right? We didn't know. They were running all sorts week. of stuff. They were on the wishbone, they were run they were run the spread, they were uh, what what do you say they were they wanted to be multiple what, what was the thing you said yeah the uh, thing that you usually ago? do on defense they were trying to do on offense and there's a reason people don't do that on offense <laughs> yeah we're, we're trying to be multiple and all this all, you know coach jargon and they were historically bad offensively which some of it's his fault some of it's not he could have minimized the damage by not acting like complete jackass with some of his play calling mm-hmm. uh but Year two was a little bit better because they had Jeff Sims and Jameer Gibbs. You're like, okay, like here's some of the recruits he's brought in. And like, okay, I kind of see what they're trying to do on offense now. Um, and the defense was okay. And this year, the defense is a disaster. Like, it is so bad. It's so bad. Like, you're firing Andrew Thacker, right? You have to. Have to. You're firing him, right? Who else are you firing? Uh, you're So, yeah. So if, if it's if I have it my way here, Mike, like, a yeah, you're firing Andrew Thacker. You've had him as your defensive coordinator for three years. You've gotten worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also firing Jeff Popovich and you're firing Nate Burton, who are your cornerbacks coach and your safeties coach, because your secondary has been inexplicably awful this year. There is what's no sec- excuse. What secondary? What secondary? That's part of the problem. Yeah. And, right. and by the way, Mike, the secondary is the same secondary that you ran out there against Clemson three years ago. Well, two years ago. But, like, this was, what, game 32 under Jeff Collins? 31? It's the same secondary as it was in game one. And they've gotten worse. They've gotten way worse. Much worse. It's the same players with the same talent, and they're getting worse. So who does the blame fall on? Like, like At it's some obvious. point... At some point, you got to put your players in position to be successful, and I just don't think that their defensively-minded head coach is doing that. He's not. He's not. Which is I, it's, mind-numbing. It's it's like like this. This has the feel of a guy who. So like, I, I feel like Jeff Collins is one of these guys who's like a like a relatively new manager in you know in the workplace. And what he's always been told is it's it's a good thing to kind of give your employees direction, but try to be hands off and let them do their thing. And then he brought in like like a college kid, basically, like right out of college and said, like, okay, I need you to manage the project, but I'm going to be hands off. Like ignoring the fact that this college kid has never managed projects before and doesn't really know what he's doing. And he can act like he knows what he's doing and set up a couple of update meetings. But like he doesn't know how to run an update meeting and he doesn't know how to make a client happy and like. All this stuff, but Jeff Collins staying off, hand, you know, hands off. Hey, Andrew Thacker, you know, your defense, do your thing. Like, this doesn't make sense. This this all reeks of a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, and, and that's that's all the on field stuff, by the way. Before we get into how he's handled the media and how he's messaging the program, and that's all insulting to our intelligence too. Like, the whole thing is is an absolute mess. It's, and I don't it's, know how it's insulting from it, Joey. It's insulting to his intelligence the yeah. way he's handling the media stuff. To yeah, be quite honest, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm sick of watching it. it. It's so frustrating, and it's 
you know, I had somebody text me Saturday night. It was like, you know, I can't believe that you're not some like rage monster on Twitter right now. Like you should be trying to burn down half of the bird app, you know, with how angry you are. And I'm like, it's hard to be raging and angry if you don't have expectations. Right. I expected this. I told you on the preview. It's like, no, they're going to get beat. You've got a more talented team against a less talented team, but you've also got a wet, like a poorly coached team against a well-coached team. And here you go. The well-coached team won by 11 points, and it probably wasn't even that close. Yeah, too, too much ego with Jeff Collins. Too much something, ego. Something. I don't know. Hubris or ego something. I don't really know. Yeah, right. But, yeah, this is ridiculous. You're going to see – and if you don't see defensive changes from Georgia Tech staff, I don't know what to tell you. Like, there's no excuse for it. You're going to see it, and if you don't, bet the under on the win total next year. Like, because like you said, we're done here. Like, this – unless something yeah. drastically changes, this, this isn't going to work. Yeah, I bet the under on the uh, win total and bet the over on team totals for every opponent that Georgia Tech plays. That is correct. That is correct. <sighs> uh, good game for Boston College. Phil yeah. Jerkovic, uh, very good. ACC quarterback of the week, if I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Five touchdowns. Yeah, credit to him. Um, Boston College, like I said, not the most talented team in the world, but really well coached, and they're 6-4. and four. Going to a bowl game, Mike. They are going to a bowl game. Yep. They're probably going to be in position to at least split the next two. We'll see. Yeah. Interesting matchups against Florida State and Wake, both at home. Both at home is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those teams going up into Chestnut Hill this time of year. It works to Boston College's favor. We'll say that. Yeah. Have fun with that weather. <sighs> All right. Can we be done talking about Georgia Tech? Yeah. Boston College 41, Georgia Tech 30. Let's keep moving. Uh, Louisville 41, Syracuse 3. What the hell happened in this game, Mike? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I bet uh, Syracuse plus the three. How'd that go? I'm not talking. Well. They scored three. They scored three. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So all they needed to do was not give up 41. Louisville should try retiring Lamar Jackson's jersey every week, I think, is the takeaway here. (laughs) Malik Cunningham, 13 of 18 for 209 and four scores, no picks. Um, I mean, this was, by every measure, this was an absolute top-to-bottom beatdown by Louisville. They led 35 to 3 at halftime. Um, I think they scored on almost every offensive possession in the first half. Uh, yeah, they went touchdown, 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 punt, touchdown. Is that good? It's a pretty strong start to the game, I have to say. You couldn't do a yes. whole lot better than that if I do say so myself. What the hell was Syracuse doing here? Uh, I don't know. Like Louisville's defense has had moments. I guess they just decided to have a moment the entire game here. Like, I mean, Syracuse offense, 39 carries for 138 yards between Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader. Yeah, yeah, that's... And, and Louisville sacked Garrett Schrader four times, so that kind of plays in a little bit, but like... It is just so funny seeing Syracuse's rushing totals and having it really only encompass one, literally one quarterback and one running back. It's so anti-college football yeah, in that regard. Pretty weird. Pretty wild. Yeah, it's, it's, anti, it's anti-2020s college football, that's mm-hmm. for sure. 
Yeah. This isn't this isn't the mid nineties anymore. Uh yeah, you're talking about the uh, the Louisville defense. How about the Syracuse defense? What what are we like Syracuse's defense isn't that bad. They're not like what th- this is I'm I'm baffled by how bad this was. This like, this feels like Louisville just got ultra hot on offense out the gate and they did. Syracuse I mean, can just never really like get a handle on the game. I mean, or it took until the second half when it was just way out of hand, basically. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Mitchell averaged almost seven yards per carry for Louisville. Yeah, I mean, you figure the game basically ended. Louisville comes out of halftime up thirty-five to three. They they go eight plays, fifty-six yards, kick a field goal. Syracuse goes thirteen plays, sixty-five yards, and turns it over on downs, trying to score a touchdown. You know, That's the stuff. Fourth and goal from the two. That's the stuff. At that point, game's over. Like you're not yeah. coming back from that. Oh man, yeah. Nothing like being down five touchdowns, manufacturing a long drive, and getting literally zero points out of it. Yeah. Shout out to Louisville for standing up and just absolutely kicking the teeth in of Syracuse here. I mean, I. Syracuse is not this bad of a team. It's just I think they ran into Louisville on the wrong day, and the cards just jumped all over them. Louisville hasn't even been that good lately. They really hadn't. I mean this this performance kind of came out of absolute nowhere. I mean they had lost two straight. They put out their highest point total all season, uh, with the exception of the UCF game. Yeah, I mean this is. Yeah, I mean, they had lost four out of five in no this game, and the only one they'd won was the Jerkovic-less Boston College team. Like, yeah, like, I, I at least thought this was going to be a competitive game. I mean, we both took Syracuse plus the three on the preview show. Like, Louisville that just was wrong, not, man. Louisville Holy had sh- not been in a good spot and felt like they weren't trustworthy. But, man, like, goodness gracious, what a, uh, what a performance from Louisville in this game. Shout out to them and Syracuse, hey, you guys are doing okay. You're five and five. You need one win in the next two against NC State and Pittsburgh to get to bowl eligibility. I'm not going to say you're going to do it, but I'm going to say you could do it. They could do it. And either way, Dino's earned himself another year. Yeah, no, for sure. I think so. I think so. Um, he can't fire him. Especially with what Syracuse is these days. And Mike, the other thing I'll point out, I I, I won the over. I cashed the over on the uh, Pittsburgh over seven and a half wins ticket. Yep. Yep. The uh, Louisville over six and a half wins ticket. Still in play. Still on life support. Ain't dead yet. Two games left at Duke home against Kentucky. You got to win them both to get to that over, but that's on the table. Can't wait to see them lose to Duke next Saturday. I know. I can't wait. It'll be crushing. It'll be great. Can't wait. Louisville 41, Syracuse 3. We have run really long on this show, Mike. Let's keep going here. Not a ton to it's talk okay. about. It's okay. We can make these quick. Not the most to talk about. Uh, number 9, Notre Dame 28, Virginia 3. Virginia's awesome. What? what you th- okay, I know Virginia's awesome, Mike, but like not in this <laughs> game they weren't. Not in this game. Brendan Armstrong did not play. Uh, Their defense is so bad, Joey. It was pretty So brutal. bad. Yeah, oh, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but their defense is so bad. It's not great. I mean, look, here's here's the story of the game, right? A lot of Virginia fans were crying on the Internet about not having Brian Armstrong. I get it. It hurts. It mm-hmm. sucks. You didn't have Brian Armstrong. Uh, Brian Armstrong 
wasn't going to be tackling Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. And that was what we said on the preview, right? Was right. taking Notre Dame minus the five largely because I felt like they were just going to run it down Virginia's throat the whole night. And guess what they did? Yeah, they did. Uh, Average 6.6 yards per carry at 249 yards rushing. Jack Cohn threw three touchdown passes. I mean, at some point, you just got to look in the mirror and realize your defense isn't any good. So, yeah, while I understand that it sucks not having Brian Armstrong, the reason why this game wasn't competitive is because UVA simply could not get a stop. They yeah. could not get a stop. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Which is Notre kind Dame of funny. Was... It's kind of funny because they did get a stop in the first drive. I mean, Notre Dame's first half drive chart – 12 plays, 54 yards, turnover on downs. Yep. Six plays, 43 yards, touchdown. Seven plays, 60 yards, touchdown. Nine plays, 80 yards, touchdown. And, I mean, they were up 21 to nothing. I mean, the game was over. It felt like it was over at that point. Yeah. No, nah, it was for sure. Notre Dame was 7 of 11 on third down. Virginia 5 for 14. Notre Dame had four outgains UVA in this game, 423 to 278. Uh, both teams had a couple turnovers. But, mm-hmm. I mean... UVA wins the time of possession and loses by 25. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is just, I mean, at some point you got to, you got to get a stop. I'm not talking about just on the first possession. I'm talking about like over the course of the entire game, you need to make some stops defensively. And that's why when UVA sits here at six and four and they have games remaining against Pittsburgh and Virginia tech. Yeah, sure. I could see Virginia getting to eight wins. I could see them finishing at a more likely seven and five, but I could also see them losing both of those games. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think all all bets are off with the defense playing as poorly as it is, and that's before you even take into account the Brian Armstrong injury. But Notre Dame continues to be really good. This is a rebuild year for Notre Dame. They're nine and one. Uh, yeah, which that's impressive. They're not going to lose again. They're not going to lose again. I mean, did you see who they got coming to town next week? Uh huh. They yes, I do. You and did see that? like okay. a, they are a they are a uh, large favorite. Yeah, well, rightfully so. I don't I don't know that Georgia Tech stands a chance in that game, but we're not talking about Georgia Tech anymore. Um, look, if coming into this game, like if we had known during the preview, and and we there was suspicion, we weren't really sure. If we had known for certain in the preview, Brandon Armstrong's not playing here. A, what would the spread have been? Probably outside of a touchdown. Probably. It was NB five and a half. Yeah. I mean, I bet that would be eight, somewhere between eight and ten, probably. And I still would have taken Notre Dame. I I would have, too, because, because again, Brian Armstrong doesn't play defense. And Notre Dame's defense, by the way, even without Kyle Hamilton, has been very good over the last month. Really pretty good. Yeah. Very good. And I get some of it's like, okay, who are you playing? But they played some competent offenses. Mm -hmm. So... I still would have taken Notre Dame against the spread, and I don't know what the end result would have been, but we know that Armstrong doesn't play defense. So, well, and and just Armstrong is just—I mean, he's he, like it, like the whole team feels a little bit like a one-trick pony. I mean, like the entire offense is either him throwing the ball or him improvising on the ground, like, right? And if you don't have him, clearly, like whatever else you have isn't good enough, like. And I say that you're playing a top 10 Notre Dame team, like who's got a really good defense. They've got a lot of talent. Like, do I think you're going to lose every game by 25 points if you don't have Brandon Armstrong? No. But this this right. particular game, like you're not going to be competitive. Like it is what it is. No. Like, and hopefully he comes back healthy, you know, next week and he's healthy down the stretch here. And Virginia is able to give their best effort in their final two games. 
Yeah, and this is an explosive offense with Brian Armstrong. We've mentioned that. This is one of the more explosive offenses that Virginia's had under Bronco Mendenhall. Maybe the most explosive offense they've had. My whole thing is that Armstrong will still throw you the ball a few times yeah. defensively. Like He'll still throw you the ball. And this is a bad matchup for UVA because Notre Dame's strength is running the football, mm-hmm. and UVA can't stop the run. So it was a flat-out bad matchup for UVA on paper, regardless of if Armstrong played or not. Yep, exactly, exactly. But despite it all, Mike, you know what we say. Virginia is awesome. That is correct. They sure are. They sure are. I'm glad you agree with me, Mike. Virginia is awesome. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Ah, so mad. Yeah. He's so levels. Levels levels of anger. Yeah. It's okay. Let's pick the mood up a little bit. Notre Dame 28, Virginia 3. Uh, Virginia Tech 48, Duke 17. Justin Fuente going out on his home field with a win here. Hell yeah, Foo. Good job, Justin. Uh, Virginia Tech averaged 9.7 yards per play. That's their highest mark in 13 years. Duke is horrible. Would we say that Virginia Tech ran the dang ball in this game? I would say that they ran the dang ball 297 yards, 7.2 yards per carry, non-sack adjusted. Yeah, that'll do. Braxton Burmeister Burmeister was pretty good. He was 9 of 15 for 215 yards and three touchdowns. He made some throws in this game, Joey. He completed nine passes for 215 yards and three touchdowns. Yes. High-level takeaway, Virginia Tech had explosive plays both in the running game and the passing game. We hadn't seen a lot of that really all season. They had... A 40-yard run by Raheem Blackshear. They had a 49-yard run by Keyshawn King. They had a 41-yard pass play to Tavion. They had a 47-yard pass play on the wheel route for the touchdown to Keyshawn King. There were explosive plays in this game. Caleb Smith running butt-ass naked on the on the post. Duke had no business covering anybody. They wanted no part of it all afternoon. Nope. Caleb Smith running a post. Nobody's within 30 yards of him. Just he has a 34-yard touchdown catch. Gone. Duke is horrible, and I guess it's it's worth noting Gunnar Holmberg didn't play. Does it matter? I no. I mean, no. Correct. That what, that's correct. Like, what this might have been forty eight twenty four or something if Gunnar Holmberg had played, but Virginia Tech would have probably had another interception. Like, we should have locked. We should have locked this up. We were thinking about it. It was like eleven and a half, kind of it a was. lot of points with how, like. Uh, there's a there's a word I'm looking for, like kind of slow, underwhelming, kind of meh. Virginia Tech's offense had been in a lot of spots uh, this year. You mean bad? Yeah, bad or yeah, just yeah. No, that's a good word. Bad. That's uh, good. Yeah. How bad Virginia Tech's offense had been in a few spots this year? Like, I don't know if I really wanted to give like 12 points, but very quickly they made me regret that. I mean, they're up 17 to three at halftime, and it. Just kind of snowballed from there. It got worse in the second half. Virginia Tech wins this game by 31 points. They were 4 for 10 on third down, but they still managed to have 573 yards of offense and 106 yards worth of penalties, and they won by 31 points. They were 4 for 10 on third down and also 2 for 2 on fourth down, meaning (laughs) Duke forced 10 third downs in this game, and only four times did they actually get off the field. Yeah. Like six of yeah. those ten, Virginia Tech kept the drive alive. 
you know how upside down this game had to be for Duke to give up 573 yards of offense for Virginia Tech to only be converting third downs at a 40% clip and to have 106 yards worth of penalties on 12 penalties on 12 penalties and you still lose by 31 points. Oh, by the way, you possess the ball more than seven minutes longer than Virginia Tech did. What are we doing? Dude, not great. Endurance. Cutcliffe's Cutcliffe's done, right? Like, are we done with this at Duke? We're done, right? Like, they're not going to fire. I know they're not going to like technically fire him. Put up a statue statue of him. Right, right. Statue that guy, but also uh, get him off the sideline. This is horrible. It's, it is. It is. It's horrible. And, and and like this is I'm gonna use a phrase that's really dangerous to use in these cases, Mike, but it's oh, I think it's legitimately uh-oh. true. Uh oh. It can't get much worse. They're oh. 0 and six in the ACC, and most of those they've been losing by like three scores or more. Like yeah, like they could lose by four scores or more, fine. But like you can't you, 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 like they've got Louisville and Miami at home the next two weeks. They both could. Those. those are those aren't like guaranteed losses. Well, there are no there are no guaranteed losses in the ACC. We definitely know that. Not. Definitely not. Yeah, there are no guaranteed wins, but certainly no guaranteed losses. But like you're going to be a double digit underdog at home in both of those games. Like, I where's where's the bright spot here? Like, what are you what are you building on? Like, Arch Manning's not coming to Duke just because. Dave Cutcliffe's there. Like, I mean, I have a bright spot. The season's almost over. There you go. Louisville's like a 19.5 point favorite on your field next week. Oh, my God. Give me the Blue Devils. <laughs> no. Give the Blue Devils in the 18.5. No. no. Not yet. No. Not yet. No. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to go walking on that bridge with you, but enjoy. Yeah. Big yeah. yikes. Um, no, I just, yeah, I'm with you. It's It's time. Move on. Yeah, move on. These are these are two coaches absolutely dead in the water. That's right. Yeah. Virginia Tech 48, Duke 17. Last game here, Mike. Clemson 44, UConn 7. And and I swear, if you didn't know anything about this game, I swear to you, I'm not making this up. Clemson was trailing in this game at one point. <laughs> yes, they, they were. There is nothing more appropriate to open up a game where Clemson is a 41-point favorite than for them to give up a kickoff return for a touchdown to open the game. And it was so bad that with like 25 yards to go, UConn's players are high-fiving down the sideline because <laughs> Clemson doesn't have anybody within 10 yards. Like, are you kidding me? And then that Clemson was, just rolled from there. It's fine. I was going to say, uh, can I tell you what happened next? Yeah. <laughs> UConn didn't score again, and Clemson scored 44 unanswered. UConn never converted a third or fourth down in this game. <laughs> they attempted a combined 18 of them. They did not convert one. Um, okay, non, non-sack adjusted here, but it's pretty funny. Uh, UConn, rushing attempts, 25 carries for negative 17 yards. Uh, is that good? Uh, no. <laughs> that, is, that, is, not, that is not good. Not how you draw it up then. Okay. Now, UConn, the best thing that happened to UConn this week was hiring Jim Mora, and I'm not even sure that was the right decision. So I'm we're, fairly sure that was not the right decision. And the thing about it is I don't know what the right decision is, but I don't think that's it. I, I can no. tell you what the wrong decision is. And that's probably the wrong. If you, if you can't win at UCLA, you're not going to be able to win at UConn, right? I mean, that is correct. That is, I mean, 
it's hard enough to get UCLA to care about their football program. And now you're going to a program that cares even less than UCLA did. So you're not going to be able to win there either. Yeah. We will, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. Have fun, Jim Moore Jr. <laughs> you got... UConn had 99 yards of offense. They were 0 for 14 on third down, 0 for 4 on fourth down. They committed 70 yards worth of penalties, negative 17 rushing yards, two turnovers. Just absolute massacre. Yeah, and Clemson's entire team got hurt, basically. Yeah, that was the thing I was going to bring up, is that maybe the most important takeaway from this game is that Ty Pumachon got hurt again. Uh, not great. Nope. When, when DJ Uyunglele against UConn goes 21 of 44... And throws a pick like, is this like is it? Do, do we need to move on from DJU? Like, there's somebody else waiting in the wings could be better than this for Clemson, right? I think DJU could be a surprise transfer portal candidate this off season. I think so too. And that's not being talked about on the national scale, but we're going to talk about it on this podcast because I do think that's a possibility. Yeah, I Clemson's think... got some. They got some quarterback talent coming in, Joey. Yeah, I, I think that's on the table because what they're getting from him is not acceptable. Just it's frankly, it's worse than Kelly Bryant. So yeah, you replaced him, and I get you replaced him with probably the best quarterback in school history. So yep. <laughs> I get it, I get it. But there you just, go. We're gonna we're gonna be banging that drum. Clemson forty four, UConn seven. Uh, Mike, that's all for uh, official ACC games. However. Toledo, 49, our Bowling Green Falcons, 17. Yeah, this was uh, Maction on Wednesday night. Yes. And we forgot to recap it on the preview, so we apologize for that. We did see the email. Who was that? Shane sent it to us? Is that Shane? Uh, I think it was Shane, yeah, who had also sent yeah. something about, oh, yeah, like, I completely missed that on the Georgia Tech recap. I was too busy with my... Uh, uh, with my rant, but yeah, he said, where's my Bowling Green insert Falcon scream preview for this week. They're playing Toledo tonight. I guess the plan had been to cover that game during the week 10 recap. It looks like you guys forgot. No Shane. Truthfully, what happened is that our, our whole just feng shui here got totally thrown off by the max switching to Tuesday night games. We'd recorded, uh, we, we recorded the preview Tuesday night. They played the game Wednesday, but we didn't have the episode like edited and ready to upload until Thursday. So we got to preview a game that had already happened, as it turned out. So we were we were right though. It's fine. Toledo beat that yeah. ass. Yeah. As as they do. As one does. That's right. Uh yeah. <laughs> if you look at the box score here, which is specifically what I'm looking at because I did not watch this game. Um <laughs> this was an old school you didn't watch this game? This is an old school just like somebody kicked Bowling Green's ass game. Uh they got outgained by like yeah. three hundred yards. Three hundred and 50 yards almost um just not not competitive not competitive hmm. you know what okay bowling green we'll try it again this week i mean i won't be picking them i probably won't either <laughs> i probably won't either <laughs> it has uh quickly gone back downhill so good job yeah uh that's all i got mike you want to get out some awards Let's do it. You want to uh, improv some awards? Go ACC moment of the week. Tyler Van Dyke. So Miami is trailing 31 to 28 with no time left. Now, granted, we're in a situation here where Miami needs a miracle, like a Hail Mary. So Tyler Van Dyke goes to spike the ball with two seconds left. 
Uh, a couple different things here. Number one, instead of just taking the snap under center and spiking the ball like a normal individual, Tyler Van Dyke took the snap, took a three-step drop, and then spiked the ball. So I want to preface this by saying, with the way that he handled that, it doesn't matter how much time was left on the clock. He handled that incorrectly, and they were in a bad spot there anyway. But in college football, you can't clock the ball. You can't spike it without time expiring unless there are at least three seconds left on the clock. Well, there were two. So before you even compound it with the fact that he took a three-step drop, you should have never spiked it in the first place. So you're trying to indict Danny Diaz. Maybe you just talk about how they're not well coached for those types of situations, but I don't know. It was bad. It was funny, though. Seems like the right place to go with uh, that discussion, yes. Yes, but it was. it's not getting nearly the enough love that it deserves. Go ACC to you, Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, good try. Good try. I see what you were going for there. You just didn't really know the rules. Good try is right. Mike, the Brian Van Gorder Memorial, you tried award. And we, we haven't talked about this, but I think we could kind of give it in combo to the two teams that got blown the F out this weekend. <laughs> that being Syracuse and Virginia. Uh, scored a combined six points in those games. Lost by a combined several points. Uh, I can't yes. do a quick math right now. Well, I got I got one for you. They were outscored sixty nine to six. Nice, nice. There it is. Nice. There it is. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, y'all tried to have competitive games, and uh, for you know, for various reasons, you, you didn't. Virginia, you were right. your quarterback, so we get that. Uh, Syracuse, you showed up on Lamar Jackson Day, and that was a mistake. You should not. You should have tried to reschedule that. I uh, yeah, I would have. <laughs> I I would have. Yes. So, uh, good on you. You tried. It went okay. Try again next time. Syracuse and Virginia. Mike, the Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume Shooter of the Week Award. Are we uh, are we still doing, like, Sam Hartman with this award, or are we uh, retiring him from it? I, I think we uh, we got to go with Sam Hartman. kind of feels like a Sam Hartman. It, uh, yeah. I mean, he can play less than 50% of his passes. Almost hey, less man, than 40% of his passes. He, he racked up some yards. Like, he had 290 yards, but it took you 47 passes to get there, and you threw three picks along the way? That is some Kobe stuff if I've ever seen it. I almost cursed It's not it. great. Yeah, it's okay. You you hold the keys to adding this thing. That's right. It's all good. I am uh, I'm the little choir boy of this show. I don't, I don't curse. No. Uh, so no. Neither do Sam I. Hartman, uh, 47 passing attempts for not quite 300 yards. A, uh, a massive 6.2 yards per attempt. Uh, I believe there was somebody else there, and I can't remember who it was. Might have been uh, Garrett Schrader having 20 rushing attempts for like 50 yards or something. I can give you the. I'll give you the exact stat right now. He had 20 carries for 42 yards. Oh, even worse. Perfect. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So obviously not sack adjusted, but uh, shout out to those guys. Yeah. All right. Well, go ACC and uh, big ol'. Uh, Kobe. 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 Mike, player of the week. Oh, man. There are several candidates for this. Uh, Phil Dracovic had five touchdowns, two through the air, three on the ground. So that was pretty good. Uh, you can give this award also to NC State receivers, Emeka Mezzi and Devin Carter, in a losing effort. I was going to say. Combined 
for 17 receptions for 365 yards and four touchdowns. Those guys, I'm sorry, 200, 265 yards. Excuse me. Those guys in combo with Devin Leary, like absolutely play their asses off in that game. Yep. Yeah. Credit to them. Um, yeah. I mean, those guys for sure. Phil Jerkovic for sure. Um, I mean, Dax Hollyfield, Virginia Tech linebacker, had 11 tackles, a sack, one half tackles for loss. He's been pretty bad all year, but he was really good against Duke. So. Yep, he was good. He was good. And, uh, you know, shout out to Kenny Pickett for, once again, doing enough. He did most of it in the first half and then the rest of it in overtime. He did nothing in the second half, but, you know, hey, got the win. Stick it with Pickett. Oh, it just- what, you just wait till like year five to start coming up with catchphrases? Yep. All right. Well, wish we had had that like three years ago, but hey, there you go. He's the paper boy. He always delivers. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what they call Stetson Bennett, but you know, hey. <laughs> yeah. ACC team of the week. I think it's Wake Forest for me. Yeah. Uh, I was going to go with Syracuse. They were a close second, losing by 38 <laughs> points. My backup so, was Florida State. Shout out to the Knolls. Yeah. Yeah. That's serious. No, shout out to the Knolls for sure. There you go. Mike, that's all I got on week 11. Anything else? No, nah, I think we're good. I'm laughing at my own joke. <laughs> well, it's late. And uh, yeah. that's what starts happening. Yeah. I, I don't know if the grammar of that sentence was right, but who cares? That's yeah, okay. You want to uh, work on getting out of here? Yeah. We're on to. Uh, Week 12, only two more weeks left of regular season ACC football, which means we're just getting started. I'm excited because I'm actually going to finally stop traveling for like, you know, like a month or two, meaning I can now actually watch games. So what you're saying, what you're saying is you don't. (laughs) Yeah, you haven't watched college football basically all season. So are you going to uh, meet me in Durham on Thursday night for Louisville Duke? No. No, no. Good. I'm so tired, Mike. I need a nap. I have been. I don't know. So I don't know if I made this very clear to the people on the podcast, but just for what it's worth, uh, I have now traveled five of the last six weekends, four of those for weddings. The fifth one being for the Braves World Series parade. Uh, shout out to the champs. Um, so basically every weekend since like early October, with the exception of one weekend, I have not been like just sitting on my couch watching college football. Like I have been in other cities every weekend since then. And it's exhausting and I'm too old for this. And I am excited to just like sit on my couch and watch football this weekend. So I, I, you know, excited to preview those games and then see if I'm right or not. I, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're going to watch football. That'll be good. Yeah. That's, you know, necessary to preview this or to I'll be good. You know, produce this program yeah and if you change your mind about traveling you know we can meet at keenan stadium for wofford in north carolina sam howell by the way upper body injury may not play in that game i just read that you have to have that win (laughs) like you better know good and well that the backup plan is going to work there go terriers baby i we will uh we'll see that that could get so sideways and i can't wait Wofford in North Carolina. Let's get out of here, Mike. Until we come back and start previewing games, the people can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SOS. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. 
You all can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, anywhere you find the podcast. Go hit the follow button, the subscribe button. We really appreciate those who do. You can find us on, uh, you can send us emails with questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it, sort of. A little, little rocky. A little rocky. Not, not my best performance. Uh, Mike, where else can they find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all your podcasts there on Instagram where we have an account that exists that we don't really use at BC Podcast ACC. It's not an imposter account. It, it It's there. We appreciate the followers. So go yeah, ahead. go hit that follow button if you could. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, Mike, anything else? I need to go to sleep. Me, same, same. You want to come back and preview week 12? Yes. Let's do it. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. We will talk to you again soon. I, I, still, I can't talk. We will talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.